This is the Office Manager Diaries, a podcast all about the highs and the lows of professionals in office management around the world. We'll delve into their career journeys and diaries where they'll share their stories, tips for success and things only office managers understand. Enjoy and please remember to give us a follow. Hello everybody, it's Hannah again with another episode of the Office Manager Diaries. This time I am really excited to be with Megan O'Connell who is Office Manager at LendInvest. Megan and I have known each other for around about four or so years now, so it is an absolute pleasure to have her on the podcast. Hi Megan. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I am really good, thank you. We're chatting on a Friday Pouring yeah. with rain, but I think the sun's come out of it now. So, uh, so brighter times ahead, and it's the weekend. So much brighter, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we're all good. So, as with all our guests, I really like to dig into the background about you and your role at the moment in terms of office management. So, can you start by telling us uh, more about you and your background and how you got into office management, and then a little bit about your role specifically at LendInvest, please. Yes, so I think like everybody that I've heard or that I ever speak to within the office management world, um, it was an accident. It wasn't planned, especially because only up until very recently there's only been been any form of training. I went to uni um, and did a sports degree. I did a degree in coaching and physical education. I was a private swimming teacher from uni. I went on to go and do a couple of years at camp. And so I coached swimming out in New York for a bit, which was probably the best experience of my life. I definitely thought that everything was leading towards sport and swimming and maybe like a little bit of a sunnier life out in the States. But I got offered first year, I got offered second year. And then when I got offered the third year, my parents interjected and said, no, Megan, go grow up. You've got to get a real job. So I can't live for the summer. I've got to live (laughs) for a paycheck, basically. So when I was coming back to England, I did a bit of bar work and just kind of got myself getting some form of money in my pocket. And then I answered this. I ended up kind of, I don't want to say being conned, but essentially I was conned into doing door to door. And <laughs> I was I was 22 when um, I started doing it. And believe it or not, back when I was 22, I was really naive and I just uh, like blindly followed everybody or did whatever anybody told me to do so it was an advert that was like are you sports minded we're looking for you know sports people and I was like well I'm a sports person I can do that and so the fact that they tracked me around dragged me around a bunch of a housing estate knocking on people's doors flogging essentially like love film subscriptions didn't phase me they were just like this is how you do it this is what you say and if you've got enough conviction with it they'll give you money and I was like okay then that sounds fine I can do that What I ended up doing was I did that for three years and it was purely commission. So if I had a really good day, I was in it. Um, And if I didn't, (laughs) then I was probably having a pot noodle for lunch. Yeah, so I ended up doing it for three years. I got really good at it. It allowed me to talk to everybody from someone that had bath in their front garden in a council estate through to someone that had gated, that was in a gated community and that you needed to buzz in to kind of somehow trick them into getting to their front door so and it was saying exactly the same message so that was interesting I did like I said I did it for three years and it ended quite abruptly I then went into pay 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 YE work um, and it was initially sales but it was 
less exciting. It was gym sales. So it was very mundane. People come in, they come into a gym to sign up. And if they don't sign up, then evidently you haven't really done a very good job. So that was, it was not very challenging. And then someone said, oh, you'd be really good at recruitment. And I was like, oh, okay, then that's fine. So I ended up doing, uh, working in a recruitment office, but I found tinkering with the database and filling in the holes. And instead of picking up the telephone or anything like that, I found it far more satisfying to, you know, make sure that all the fields were filled in and the cupboards were stocked and I was <laughs> fixing and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So naturally we had a conversation, uh, myself and my boss at that time, who um, I actually saw the other week and he, it was, it was an office within um, design and build and fit out and they, they recruit within that industry. So actually I didn't realize how useful it was going to be in my future life. And I ended up having a conversation with him because we wanted to have a catch up. And I actually said to him, like, you're probably the reason why I am sitting right here today because you sat me down and you had a conversation with me saying, I don't really think that you're very good on a telephone. You don't actually like pick it up at all. <laughs> and that's kind of like an issue if you're looking to get into resourcing or just be a recruiter so how about we come up with a different plan for you which I think has been a theme for a few other people that you maybe have spoken to especially like the, who I spoke who I listened to last week and it's been a theme so yeah it was that that led me on to coming off the phones that happened in 2015 and I was there until about 2019 when I realized that more money's in London and I <laughs> I want to try and get a little bit more experience. So I tried the roles in London and I've been working in London ever since then. I've had a few roles in London. I'm now, like I said, at Lend Invest. I feel like I've really mastered the initial stuff and the other three roles have definitely been like good playgrounds. And now I get to really kind of get my teeth into like the juicy parts of office management because there's so much opportunity, a bigger variety of activities and projects and everything like that so now I'm at Lendinvest and I've been here since June and in comparison to my previous role um, I had 30 people all in London and now I have an office or a company of 250 plus people an office in London an office in Scotland because of Covid obviously several 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 remote workers and we are growing which is really really exciting as well. Excellent. Good. So what are the main responsibilities in your role now at Lend Invest? How do you manage those, juggle it? You know, what is a typical day or perhaps a week? Because there is no such thing as we know as a typical day in these roles. What are you really doing there for Lend Invest? The only kind of constant I have is a Friday where I know that attendance in the office is going to be very minimal. So I'll get quite a lot done on a Friday. But the week can vary. So I look after all the suppliers that do work and provide, lend, allow LendInvest to kind of exist as a physical entity. So I look after the cleaners. I manage their, I manage the communication and the contracts and the, the liaisons with the cleaners, the M&E people, our coffee providers, our stationery providers. Our, the list is somewhat endless. Yeah, I manage everything. So for instance, today... I had two contractors in, two separate contractors, one to deal with our access control and, you know, dealing with that. And then another, obviously, to put in and deal with our new coffee machine. That hasn't gone initially very smoothly. <laughs> that is still a work in progress, which is very sad for my 
for my ego this morning, but because again, it's not something that um, I like to deal with when plans don't necessarily go to plan, uh, go to how you imagine there to be. But the good news is that the access control went smoothly, so that's a tick on. That's a that's one of my wins for this this week. A typical week could be anything from well, it will be anything including our weekly lunches, any additional lunches. So if we've got new starters, we have a separate lunch for that welcoming new starters, making sure they're happy and they're comfortable and they know where everything is, as well as guest management. So we have a lot of clients come in, which is great. So I don't think that's necessarily the case for a lot of businesses, but we've managed to not only bring a lot of staff back into the office, but actually convince clients and and external people to have face-to-face meetings again. So it's meeting room management, it's client management, it's just general facility facilities upkeep throughout the course of the day as well as obviously like cleaners the expectation we also because we've got so many people that want to use the space we use quite we use the space for um, external events in the evening and so it's about kind of making sure that not only do we have the right amount of refreshments as well as the the lunches or the 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 snacks that everybody wants but also like setting up the space so it's a lot of like manual furniture moving and tinkering with the AV and all that kind of thing as well so no day is ever the same so how do you juggle all of that you know what is your system for staying organized on top of that huge variety of responsibilities in your life I love a list I will write everything down I used to be more of a physical person like I have I have notes and everything and if, if things go really really wild and I've never and I feel as if I haven't caught anything then I will physically write it out because the satisfaction of obviously crossing something out is is obviously very very strong but what I end up doing now is I also just put everything in my calendar my market we use google as our main email system and our calendar system so google you can set things as tasks and it comes and then it does the it does do a cross out for you which is nice to have in your calendar because then when someone looks at your calendar you can say oh yeah no that's crossed off she has actually done something today so that's brilliant especially when they can't find you for ages <laughs> they wonder where you've gone Everybody just says, everybody says to me, oh, she never sits at a desk. I really shouldn't have a desk, but um, <laughs> it is what it is. But I, I end up thinking about things, what I need to do. Um, and it allow, I put it in time slots so that I know that oh, I'm going to give myself half an hour for that. But at least then, like, I've got the time for someone to come over and, like, interject because nine times out of ten, someone will. I lot everything in my calendar and then I'm able to like mark off and then like the calendar will automatically be like FYI yesterday you didn't do this please do it or <laughs> find a no time for it or something like that so I tend to do everything that way or if it's a bigger job I'll literally block off all the time and then on paper I will create the smaller list the, the smaller jobs within that particular block that I need to be able to do but I end up I never used to my calendar looks so bare and now in order to kind of like allow myself to actually get stuff done, I put everything all in my calendar so people can't steal my time when I've kind of mentally blocked it off to someone else. <laughs> well, the office staff are time thieves, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. So you are obviously a twice award winning office manager um, with the office management awards. And we have had a few office managers on now who have won the awards like Sarah and Nabila and JP as well. None of them are are sort of, I don't know whether you call it, it's a double award winner or whatever it is, these sort of Oscar superstars talk about the the right terminology around it. But tell us about that experience from, I guess, putting yourself out there, 
right up to winning and what the response around that has been from colleagues and friends and so on if you can see I mean it's amazing for for the while it's all starts to build up now which actually gives me a little bit of an imposter syndrome like I've been listening to the other people that have been on this podcast and like I listen to them and I'm like oh <laughs> and I get a little bit like oh it's like exciting obviously the um the, the knowledge of actually hearing how people all are doing is great and whilst it kind of instills a little bit of I don't want to say fear, but kind of it gets your kind of like anxiety going again, which I haven't felt in ages. I feel like I wear such a strong cloak of confidence when I'm in the office now because the awards itself massively changed my confidence. I guess I'll kind of like work backwards on the question. Like before the awards happened, like the first time round, I was someone that would have an idea, articulate it, request it. And then I'd wait for permission instead of like really fighting my case, because as far as I was concerned, like there must be like these people own the business, so they must know better than me. I'm just highlighting that this is a fix. And if they say no to me, it's probably because they know better than me. Whereas now that's not necessarily the case. Absolutely. That's definitely not the case. I feel like these awards gave me the like the Instagram blue tick, like it gave me my verification of being like told I am amazing at my job. And it literally, it's like you handed me the trophy and all of a sudden that confidence was literally just like inserted into me. It was, it was a very rapid mindset shift. Going back right to the beginning, you said you launched the, the awards during COVID. It was, it was COVID, wasn't it? Yeah. 2021, 2020, 2021. So we did. Yeah. I think we opened them up towards the end of 2020 for entry and nominations. And then the ceremony was July 2021. We had to move it, didn't we? Because it got delayed and all sorts of things like that. So, yes, it was in COVID. And again, regardless of I I never really did any of your networking. I'd like sign up. And then I was one of those people that would cancel last minute. because I was like, oh, I don't know anyone. And if anybody was to like meet me now, they'd be like, oh, no, that's definitely not the case. But I was so kind of pensive about potentially going and hanging out in a room full of essentially strangers. But they would have only been strangers for like one night. Like the network that is that is where we're all in is amazing. And I look back at myself and that's one of the regrets that I have. I really wish that I really kind of like taken taken that step before everything went into lockdown. But yeah, so I saw that you'd announced it or like I'd spoken to you on LinkedIn Messenger or something. And you said, are you going to not? Are you going to apply? And I was like, um, well, I don't know. I've been an office manager for about two, three years. I think I said that to you or something like that. And you were like, oh, newcomer then. Like, what have you, what, what have you got to lose? And I was like, oh, that's valid. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I, um. So I did and I am terrible. I even like I've got to do my um, appraisal right now for work. I'm even though I've like gone and waffled about myself to you guys two years running, giving you 11 questions of like 250 words. I am so I find it so intimidating sometimes to talk about how I'm how, how why I'm good and why. But it is actually really cathartic. So I I went and did it and I did the first one I only entered the newcomer and then like two weeks before the deadline you emailed you messaged me again being like you know you can enter for two and I was like hmm and I at that point in time at that point in time I was an office manager and PA to the client services director at station 10 
and I was like in my plan I'd already made a uh, made a plan I was like this year I'll do newcomer and then if that one goes well oh regardless of whether it does well or not this year I'll be a newcomer and then next year I'll have enough to say about being a PA and an office manager because I was really winging it with being a PA like it was literally finger to the wind I didn't have a I, I was like what do you need and he was like nothing I was like okay I'll go do something else then or if he needed something but it was literally just very kind of instantaneous there was no plan whereas with office man with the office management part of that role I knew kind of what I was doing I was I had a plan it was like look after the office not the human oh and I kind of articulated that to you and you, and I was like oh maybe hybrid next year and you're like why not hybrid this year and I was I was like because it's literally been a few months I'd been at station 10 for four months before we went into lockdown and he was a remote worker before lockdown so I had barely met the guy I only really worked with him on teams and zoom and everything like that so I really didn't think that working like that was even a viable option I, I went and I called my dad actually and I was like dad so I'm gonna do this again and he was like what and I was like I've just read the other one I was like yeah so and then I went back to you and I said how many of the questions are the same are they judged by the same people and you were like no and I was like so if like there's the same question and think I can use the answer twice and you were like yeah and I was like, phew. So I only had to come up with a few more answers. I spent that weekend and I went over to my dad's house and he made me work in his office. I wouldn't <laughs> don't bring me cups of tea every now and again. And then he proofread some stuff and I submitted it. And a bit like, so today, as I've seen just before we started recording, there's been posts about the awards and everything like that. And I remember seeing that email come through. I was on a, I was actually on a call with one of my colleagues, like one of the senior team at Station 10 she was talking and then I was like reading my emails and all of a sudden oh, congratulations you're a finalist and I went oh, and she was like what's happened thinking like something's happened in my house or something I was like, oh my god I'm a finalist and she was like oh my god and I was like oh, newcomer that's amazing and then the next one came through like we, ca and we carried on talking and then the next one came through like 10 minutes later I went oh my god and I was a little bit more expressive than that but I don't know what kind of thing <laughs> we're doing here I was like I'm I'm hybrid as well and I genuinely was like so blown away by it because I just assumed that there was going to be so many people with so much more experience than I that had so much more to say than I did. And I was a finalist with them. I found that like so great. Like, that was that was enough. That was the win in, in, in for that myself. And then you come to the awards night and it was so much fun. Like it's literally like Christmas for, for office managers. It's brilliant. And I took two of my friends and we had an amazing time and newcomer was there and <laughs> they videoed all my friends, my friends just videoed and took photos for the whole night. I literally have some of the best memories and the memories I can't remember, they're literally there on camera. And they annoyingly got, which you reference quite a lot, <laughs> my reaction to not winning newcomer of the year. And it was literally like, <laughs> please, 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 please. Oh, no. And I... <laughs> You were like, there's so much disappointment in your face, Megan. I genuinely, because I thought that was my only hope for that night. And then I was like, all right then, well, looks like we're going to have a knees up then. So we had amazing food. We drank loads of wine. We got the Prosecco, all that kind of thing. And then hybrid gets announced. And I was so like, I'd written myself off so much for it. And then my name gets announced. And like, it's a bit like, you know, those Tom and Jerry cartoons where like, the tin just dropped to the floor. Again, they've got, they've got a gif of it. Like they literally made it into a gif and they use it very regularly now. <laughs> Please send me this gif. I've not seen this one. <laughs> it's, 
it's like, and I do the slow turn to like look at the, the, the sign with my name on it or something like that. And I'm literally so stunned that my application won over all the other people that were in that. And like, there are so many people in this work, in this role that do have a hybrid role that I could only assume, and I, and I think you said that it was a very highly subscribed category. So to kind of win and top that, I was just so stunned. And I, I went up, I cried. I, I think it, I was the first crier of the night and that was the second to last award. So that was great. The confidence was installed straight away. I had a day off the next day, obviously, as you would, should even. And I walked back in on Monday and my attitude to the whole thing was so, so, so different. Only for the better, obviously. Like it, the one thing that I just realized then and there was like, I am the most knowledgeable person about my job in my business because there is no one else that like, they all have like an idea but they don't have the inner knowledge because they don't have time to really get to know why you're covering the role that you're doing and all that kind of thing. Like we cover so many things, cleaning, maintenance, the morale, environment, and anything could go wrong at any one time or anything could be needed to amended or fixed or improved or whatever, or just maintained. And not everybody understands the why. So we are the most knowledgeable people about the physical entity of the business. And I just went in with a whole different confidence. And then the second year I entered, I knew that I had a fit out to do. When we did the first awards, I was just about to go and start my physical stage of my fit out of our new office. And I stood on that stage and I was like, or maybe not stood on it, maybe wasn't on the stage at that specific time, but I remember kind of visualizing myself being like oh my project is going to win and I'm going to stand here again next year not many people can say that they've won an award for their first ever fit out that is a um, claim to fame that I am very 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 proud to to own and so I did exactly what I did last year uh, the year before even and I collated as much photographic evidence throughout the fit out and everything like that and I wanted to make sure that I could really tell the story of how I made everything come from my head essentially and the designer's head and how we made that come to bums on seats using the facilities and for everybody kind of like using it as a day-to-day entity. I also thought soon as my plan got you pushed my plan forward a little bit instead of obviously entering the hybrid office under the year I won that job done so I also wanted to then enter office manager of the year so unfortunately but fortunately, unfortunately, I didn't win, but I did come second. So I'm happy. I'm happy to have come second to Sarah because she is a phenomenal person as well. And it's been really great to get to know her and everything like that as well. But it just made me a little bit more hungry to ensure that I could potentially get that one this year as well. <laughs> so I'm not finished just yet. <laughs> <laughs> She's ever, ever reaching, which is good. And it's nice that people can go for different awards every year, which is why we've got the spread of the categories, categories but also... Um, that people can put themselves forward year after year after year. And I know it can be a, a difficult process when you're sitting in the room because I have been up for awards and not won. And it can feel, you know, like your face said it all, as we said at the newcomer one where you, you are a bit deflated, you have put effort in and time into it. So that is completely natural and there's nothing selfish or wrong about immediately feeling like that. But I think it is... Um, 
yeah, the taking part does matter because the opportunities that come from just that night alone, let alone the journey and filling it out and everything else has so much value. So I'm also the biggest advocate for getting people to actually do the application. There are so many people that over this year and last year that I've spoken to at like these networking events where they're like, oh, I don't know. Oh, it sounds. Uh. And I'm just like, why wouldn't you do it? Firstly, it's really cathartic. Like you you don't know how much you do until you end up letting it spill out of a pen. What's the worst that's going to happen? Someone reads that actually you're doing an amazing job and you're in among, you get to be recognized with a group of, of people that are doing just as good a job as you. There's got, obviously there can only be one winner, but at the same time to be acknowledged. And for someone who has been there, done that, or is within your industry that, you know, that has done your role in the past or something like that, the judges, for them to just read your read your application and then like know who you are and like it just gets the conversation going. It allows you to get your name out there. And regardless, even though office managers are back of house and behind the scenes people, I do firmly believe that they need to be known and you should be confident enough to know that you should put yourself out there and it is only a good thing for self-promotion. Mm. Should have got you on before I closed the deadline, shouldn't I, for this year's award? <laughs> I'll do it for you next year. <laughs> you can, you can sound like that and just put it out there next year. <laughs> yeah. You guys can just come to the ceremony this year if you haven't entered and uh, see what it's like. I think I think this actual episode will be sponsored by the Office Management Awards, so um, there'll be a plug at some point. My tip for this week's episode is all about office moves. The moment when you find out that your office is going to move or you know in advance a move is coming up because the lease is coming to an end or you're in an office space that's perhaps a little bit too small for you now and you're clearly outgrowing it with the growth of the business. I know a lot of people get that kind of heart palpitating moment of dread and think oh an office move a how on earth am I going to fit this in because I've already got zero capacity but b particularly for those who have never done an office move before it can be really quite daunting for me and you may have heard this on one of the episodes recently with Emma Martin I love doing office moves I think it's a really good way to be integrated into the business fully, to understand the business, to get to know employees if you haven't done to date, particularly if you are a little bit newer to that business, because you pretty much need to know the names of everybody, um, more so in, in less of a hot desking environment, but still very much in a hot desking environment in order to fulfill the need to, to get everybody moved. And it's a really fun way, particularly if you are doing an office fit out with that, to understand more about the company's vision and future and, you know, all the aesthetics and things that they want um, to have to really give the message and the culture and the brand and values and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So shopping and spending someone else's money is always quite good fun. But when it does come to office moves, my biggest tip is the first thing around this is communication. It really is so key, and there is a pun in there with moves, um, to make sure that you are communicating effectively and you are being communicated to effectively and that you're setting the bar in relation to that. 
by that I mean if you feel like an office move is coming up because you can see there's a struggle with capacity or you know a lease or a um, serviced office agreement or whatever it might be is coming to an end you have it on your meeting one-to-one -one radar to speak to your boss or to speak to your boss's boss about it or whoever you've got that relationship with to say are we going to have to move offices in 18 months a year's time whatever I would really love to be involved as soon as possible because I can then make sure I deliver the best possible move for us I can make it more of a success if I have longer to plan it and we do it properly and I can really get to grips with this project and manage it effectively so letting them know that you need to know as soon as possible and you need to be involved in those conversations as early as possible is really really important and communicating yourself as part of that move is making sure that you are bringing people into the process as early as you're permitted to there'll be points when clearly you're not going to be allowed to tell the wider audience about it but when you can carefully picking who you communicate with who you perhaps use for working groups to get opinions on and making sure that when it comes to the actual names to desks floor plans you're getting that out there in good time if you do have fixed desks so that people who have issues with not sitting at the window seat anymore or not wanting to be below certain air conditioning vents or lights that are too bright and so on and so forth you can address those issues much much sooner than the day that the move happens um, or in the aftermath of the move so getting in early, getting the communication out there is probably one of my biggest tips around office moves. There's plenty more to share and I will be sharing more as the episodes continue. Okay, so now is the bit in the episode where we ask you to share something from your office management diary or as we dub it, a you won't believe it, but... I had to really think about this because I feel that sometimes I plan so much and I create a timeline to make sure that anything that could slip through there like uh, isn't going to cause too much catastrophe that I wasn't really sure what I was going to talk about. You won't believe it but when I started station 10 I, I got a phone call in the morning as I was getting ready and um, it was from an unknown number and I just looked at that number and I was like oh this is going to be them telling me that they don't want me anymore they've made a mistake or something like that but when I answered the phone it was my new CEO and he asked me um, how I was and I was like yeah I'm fine just getting ready he's like oh you're not on your way to the office just yet are you and I was like oh no no I don't need to be until 10 that's still okay right and he was like well unfortunately I found out last night that Paul who was going to be my line manager passed away yes yeah, so I started at station 10 to a morning office who um, had just lost one of their senior members of staff who had been there for probably about seven to ten years or something like that and he was like one of the cogs obviously because he was part of the operations of the office operations of the operations of the actual like end product and everything like that he was a massive massive part and I didn't really know what to do with that so naturally I went straight into office manager mode from the phone call I was sitting I was literally sitting at my dressing table having half a face done I had done my foundation done my <laughs> done my powder and I was just about to start doing the left side because I'm weird I do like half my face and then I do the other half of my face so I because I wear lashes so I did my brow, I put, I put the glue on my lashes, I did my brow, I did my eyeliner, I did my underliner, and then I put the lash on, and then my phone rang, and 
like I said, I didn't know who it was, but I had this bad feeling that they were going to tell me that actually we would change their mind. And so I said, hello. And he was like, it's David. And David, regardless of the fact that that was a really like sad period, he always talks with loads of pregnant pauses. And I'd never met him before, nor spoken to him. So I wasn't really sure when to talk and when not to, or if he was like, you know, ups, like obviously he was upset and he was potentially struggling to kind of like keep faith before getting his words out or anything like that. So he naturally, he first off interjected and said, firstly, we're not looking, we still really, really want you to start. Um, and from that point, I then turned into like the office manager and I was like, okay, cool. Well, then there's two or three options. Firstly, if you need the morning, I can still come in and obviously we can go that, but I don't feel like that's probably the best thing to do. Or I can come in this afternoon once you've told all the staff, obviously this was pre-pandemic. So this was a uh, five days a week, everybody in the office, no, if not, no, if no buts. You can take the morning. I can come in after lunch. I can come meet you all then. Or I can just see, we can see how it goes and I'll come in and we'll try again tomorrow. And he was like, yeah, let's do tomorrow. So then I put the phone down and I was kind of like, well, what do I do now? Do I finish my face? Do I take it off? I just went and then I went in the next day and I met David for the first time and again he was he's he's an, he's an amazing man he's lovely uh he showed me around the office the first thing he did is he showed me the fridge this is the fridge I could I was like I'll figure it out it's fine you you crack on and everything like that so um I mean that must have been really really tough and you know it's good in some ways that the the, the business carried on and that you were able to start but yeah, very, very challenging. And as you say, if he had such an impact there, it must be really difficult to, to deal with that and to, I guess, build relationships with staff in that time when everybody is, is as you say, in, in a state of mourning. So thank you for sharing. So what would you say culture is like at LendInvest and how do you feel you impact and influence on that? LendInvest has an amazing culture. It had an amazing culture before I came here. I, if anything, I'd like to think that I've only enhanced it. The office day-to-day, I think when I arrived, small things like there was no music in the office. I think, I think music is a, is a massive benefit to the office. It's brilliant for kind of water cooler moments. I tried to put on like either in the 90s or like, you know, remixes so that it kind of, if people manage to catch it and they'd be like, what is this? Oh, I haven't heard this since... God, this is such an old song, that kind of thing. But it also, because we've got so many internal meetings and everything like that, it also creates like a, a kind of cubicle wall in like our town hall area. We don't have enough meeting rooms for the amount of meetings that need to happen in the office. So um, for those smaller kind of more like informal ones, ones or catch ups or anything like that, they can there can be many that happen within like our, our communal area without anyone's conversation traveling unnecessarily far so I genuinely believe that that is um, something that's aided towards the culture we do a lot of socials one thing that happened that I, I joined the social team as soon as I got here I feel that it's only right that the office manager is there because nine times out of ten even if you're not in the team you are going to be asked to like you're going to be because you've got the keys to the castle haven't you so you need to you need to be involved whether you like it or not and it I just I can't imagine that any office manager would be like, no, socials, no, thank you. That, that's not my vibe. You're a people person if you're an office manager. So we do a lot of socials. The one thing that we did was it was always either very big or just very office based. So the one thing that I brought to the table since starting Lend Invest is we do these just because socials. 
it, they don't have a they, there's no rhyme or reason for them there's no kind of it's not it's not for anything it's literally just because we want to let our hair down just because it's it's turning into summer spring just because we want to have a drink with each other just because we've got new members of we've got new team members and we want to get to know everybody in an informal setting we've done two so far and both of them have been really good um, we did the first one at Putt Shack um, and we were able to take like 35 people into a private area have games have food have drinks and then we did another one at Fair Game, which they were all very excited for because obviously Fair Game is something that's brand new in London and you can't get in there for love nor money at the moment. So I felt like I'd literally like won the lottery when I managed to kind of befriend <laughs> Lola there. And it's just been so much fun. Like I get a budget, um, I spend the budget on, like I said, a little bit of food, a little bit of drink and obviously the games. And then anything beyond that, like they know that it's like there, it's, it's, it's self-funded beyond that. But it just allows everybody to kind of let their hair down, meet people that they wouldn't necessarily kind of cross with because we have so many departments. And it's just been a massive success. And like people talk about it as like, you know, oh, when's the next just because or, you know, just because like, what can we? And they're starting to like give ideas and stuff like that as well. So I didn't really have to come in and like reinvent the wheel because they already had it sussed. Keep it going. Good. What would you say are maybe some of your biggest achievements or achievement if, if we're just going with one win or success moment and what about any tough moments the sort of low times as well can you share a couple of those I think my biggest success and I feel like that would be the case for any office manager would be the office move that I did for station 10 I did it on my own in a pandemic essentially with very minimal inside help and what was required for outside help. So just the contractors and everything like that. It was the biggest learning curve I've ever had, but actually so satisfying, as I said earlier, like the knowledge of like, I am solely or 99%, the only reason that this has actually happened. It was a massive job. There, are, there will be people out there that are doing much bigger fit outs and did do much bigger fit outs in the time frame that I did it. But the first fit out that I've ever done, and it was not only on my own, but it was in a pandemic, like the shopping for, the, for it was like in January of the pandemic, there was literally tumbleweed going through London when we were looking at the different spaces and just learning the process of it. And then obviously the cherry on top of that was the fact that when I wrote about it, um, it was deemed good enough to to be to be award worthy so that's my biggest achievement having said that like within that there were so many stresses that naturally come with a fit out the one thing that I think probably sent me close to the edge was the fact that when it came to the move the survey wasn't done that well and the one thing that I have learned since is that when someone takes the quote and says oh we don't need that oh yeah no we don't need that either make sure you listen to what they say that you don't need and that they're trying to save money on because nine times out of ten the job if if it's quoted for it means that it's probably needed especially in a fit out like everything there is a reason for paying for everything the only the only frivolous stuff is going to be the bells and whistles of like the actual like visuals of it but when it comes to like the project management of the furniture and when it comes to the project management of the move itself like if they're saying if there's someone saying oh like we don't need that take that line out please ask and say well who's going to do that then because it still has to happen that's the thing I didn't do so they took out the furniture project manager 
of the of the quote and they took out the the move project manager and i didn't realize that that specifically wasn't in the package i guess and when it came to move day and it all started to go wrong i was like well where's where's the person in charge and they were like who are you and i was like i'm the client and uh they were like oh he's not here and i was like why is he not here um, and it's a bit of an oxymoron this whole like thing because whilst it was the greatest achievement I've done, it was the most stressful thing I've done as well, which is from, from talking to so many other office managers, it seems to be the trend. Like it's always stressful, but always so satisfying. They couldn't get the tape, my, my long kitchen table, they couldn't get it in, even though he'd looked at the, looked at the, the new site and they, they couldn't get the table in, they couldn't get it around the last corner. And they were like, what do you want us to do with it? And I was like, uh, well, I pay rent here in this room and I pay rent in that other room that you were just in, in the other building four stories up. So if you can't get it in here, I guess you've got to take it back. And then they tried to be like, oh, can we not leave it in the hallway? And I was like, again, I pay rent here or I pay rent up there. And so, and they asked again, they were like, oh, what about the room? The room in the, in the, in the old building is still, is, is open. Can we put it there? And I was like, again, so I pay rent here <laughs> and they end up taking it up. This furniture, by the time I went to go look at it, was all scratched. And I wouldn't pay the invoice until they went and fixed all the furniture and all the scratches in my desk legs. I had the person in charge of our fit out come find me that day and take me to the pub because he was worried that he was, I was, he was gonna find me in a corner <laughs> rocking. So <laughs> that was probably like my most stressful moments. Yeah, for sure. And I think the project do test as to our limit because you have your day job still to do as well. So it's on top of. So how do you make your role a success? And do you have a tip or two perhaps to share with fellow office managers and those listening? I guess back at the like, like I said at the beginning, I truly believe that door to door has been a great foundation for me. I have learnt specifically how to make someone talked how to engage someone in conversation how to make them come around to my way of thinking and how to maximize my day because again I got out of my day what I put into it I don't intentionally like work to the have to those particular values now but when you sit down and you think about it and like every now and again I'll be like why do do I do why do I do that how did I oh it's weird it's weird why I still do that and when I was doing door to door, there was they were talking about like there's five steps to a great conversation. So in order to explain or get people to my way of thinking, like I still structure how my my conversations that way. So and nine times out of ten, I managed to still kind of like get people onto my way of thinking. So the convers the five steps are an introduction, a short story, a presentation, a close, and a consolidation. So you've got your introduction. I'm going to explain to you who I am. So my name's Megan, I'm an office manager, I blah, 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 blah. The short story, this is my problem, this is what I need from you, blah, 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 blah. The presentation, this is what I'm expecting, this is what I need to do, this is what I want in the end, the close, bringing it all to an end and, you know, wrapping it up and everything like that. And then the consolidation is just, you get it right, or something like that. So it's literally just kind of like bringing it in and you remain like the Geppetto of the scenario. Alongside that, there's eight great working habits. So the first one is have a great attitude because your attitude is your armor. Always be on time because your time is precious. Be prepared 
go into meetings knowing what you're going to say, what you want out of it, how things are going to happen. Go into any situation. So make sure that you know what your contract is supposed to be doing. Just make sure that you are prepared for the scenario that you're about to walk into. Four is have 100% effort. So don't half-ass anything. If it's half-assed, then what's the point? The fifth one, it was work your full territory or network. So for when I was doing to door, it was like when I was doing door to door, don't prejudge a door. So, oh, that one's a bit ratty and it's got cobwebs all over it. And everything like that. So I'm not going to knock it, but actually they might be the best people behind that door. So work your full territory, work your full network, like the Slack channel, the portal that's perfect for this kind of thing, because there are so many experts or people out there that are doing exactly what you're doing. But you, if you don't ask the question, then why, why suffer in silence, basically? So don't not use your network. The sixth one is maintain your attitude. Because as I said, have, by having a great attitude, it is, your, it is your armor for the day. If someone chinks your armor, center yourself again, bring yourself back up to 100 and make sure that, you know, you're just, you're not, you don't let things affect you, basically. Seven is know your why. So why are you doing this for not only for the short term, but obviously for the long term as well. So like what's what's the goal in the long run, whether it be career wise or whether it's because I need to get like, for instance, I had um, my access control put into under my desk today, which is so bougie. But at the same time, the reason why is because A, I don't want to get up and answer the door for people. And B, it's when I onboard people, um, it means that I don't have to get up, go to the door, scan their cards to come back to my desk. And then if I've got five or six to do. So the short term fix is to get it on my desk. So that's the why. The long term why, the long term goal is, is, is another thing. And then eight is take control. So don't let people walk all over you. Maintain the sense of I am the client or I am in charge of this area. And this is how we run things and everything like that. So I didn't realize when I was taught them back when I was 22, that they were actually so malleable for so many, for every area of your life. It doesn't have to be for professional life. It can be for your like social life and like for, you know, your, your, your life just in general and everything like that. But it is so relevant regardless of any situation. And it allows you to stay on track and everything like that. So, yeah, that's really good. And I think you're right. They are some really good tips and, and very well structured as well. So hopefully that helps some of our listeners. Even if you just take a couple of them, I think they'll probably help you in your yeah, management sure. career. So as a final question then for this episode, where do you, do you see yourself in the next few years? Are there any specific goals or aspirations that you have? I would like to think that I would stay where I am for a very long time. I think there's like so much opportunity for me to like grow professionally here around the people that I'm working with and everything like that. Short term, I think if we're classing short term within the next couple of years, like I'd like to think that we've got a small office in Glasgow at the moment and most of our recruitment is happening in Glasgow. So I'd hope that we outgrow our space in Glasgow to warrant a permanent space for us because we've got a service office space in Glasgow at the moment. It would be nice to kind of get my teeth into a uh, a Scottish fit out maybe. Through that I can only think that opportunity to to build an admin team here in London and in Scotland would be would be something that I'd be super super excited about. So I think people forget that you can't be everywhere so like I really hope that <laughs> there'll be a little bit of hope when uh, when we finally do get to be in our own space up there. And I guess that kind of like leads me into like the long term goal. I want to be able to first I want to learn and then completely own running a team. Line management, I think, is one thing that 
I just haven't had a chance to like experience just yet. However, I think about it and then I'm like, oh, you kind of line manage like the cleaners and like the, the, the suppliers and everything like that. So you kind of have a taste in it, but they're not staff. They are contractors and it's it's a very different relationship. Like I'm not. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if you would want another you there either. Yeah, um, but no, line management can be very rewarding. And yeah, even if you can just give them support and guidance to get a couple of the, the good qualities or skills that you have, then that I think is is someone doing a good job as a line manager. So, so thank you so much for giving up some of your time, Megan, to be with me on the Office Manager Diaries. Had a really good time getting to know you better. And yeah, what, what a great episode. Hopefully you have enjoyed listening. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. I was actually so nervous to do this and I don't know why because I love talking about myself and I love talking to you. So realistically, there's <laughs> nothing to worry about. This episode of the Office Manager Diaries is sponsored by the Office Management Awards, a global awards programme aimed at recognising, rewarding and celebrating office management professionals around the world. Tickets to this year's ceremony are on sale now, taking place in London on Thursday the 15th of June. For more information, go to www.theofficemanagementgroup.com forward slash the hyphen awards and we really hope to see you there.